Welcome back to another episode of the Higher Love with Megan podcast, talking all things holistic health and mind, body, soul, healing and expansion with me, your host, Megan Cooper. In this episode, I talk to Tatiana Lucia, a coach, hypnotherapist and dear friend of mine. Tati's work intertwines tantra, sound healing, hypnotherapy, embodied movement and mindfulness, all as powerful ways to uncover, explore and meet your most authentic self and radically transform your life. She guides others on a path of uncovering all that you hold within, deep diving into all aspects of the self, understanding and establishing a deeply healing and nourishing relationship with the emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual and physical parts of your being, with you as your own inner healer. In this podcast, Tatiana and I discuss meeting yourself exactly as you are, across a range of topics from self-talk, creativity, joy and play, and dismantling our subconscious beliefs and programming to open up fresh possibility within our lives and invite in all the love and abundance that we truly deserve. Okay, my love. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. So thank you so much for recording this with me today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that I would just start off with how we met, which was several years ago on a women's feminine embodiment tantra retreat in Italy. What a beautiful retreat that was. And there was one particular afternoon where we did an incredible exercise all together, where we all sat around in a room and there was a stall in the front with a little altar and we were all naked. Yeah. And, and we all read all of the bad negative self-talk that we had been saying to ourselves inside our own heads over the last 24 hours. So we'd had an exercise to write all of that down and then to write the opposite of that. So effectively writing a love letter to ourselves, And we were invited to all sit one by one and read it out in front of everybody else, which was really hard to read all of that shit that we say to ourselves inside our own head and then really healing to read the opposite Mm. and honestly I think that it was one of the I would say one of the most profound healing experiences that I've had on a retreat just to hear other women say pretty much identically things that you've also written down that you've said to yourselves because it's so easy for us to think that we that we are the only ones that say this shit or think this stuff about ourselves but it was so healing to hear everybody else doing the same and women who you regard as really beautiful and successful and amazing and magnetic and then being like oh why are you so fat why is your hair or your skin so shit like all this stuff so I just wanted to include that at the beginning because it was such an incredible bonding experience and yeah Mm. just for you to speak to a little bit about that yeah it was incredible I still I remember that retreat so clearly I was actually this morning on my way driving home to come and record this with you I was reflecting on actually how much of a catalyst that retreat was in my life like at that point I was set on I just finished my undergrad degree in London and I was set on staying in London and I had two jobs lined up and I was so happy and I remember sitting up in the mountains of Tuscany and being like oh my god what am I doing (laughs) and then leaving that retreat and on the train from Bibiana to Florence messaging like my future bosses my family like and just saying I'm not moving I'm leaving London like I can't and it was such a big catalyst and I think it was that connection to that feminine and that softness and the ability to drop into our body's wisdom and this deeper knowing of this is actually what I need to be doing versus this is what I've been conditioned to believe I should be doing and I think that exercise in particular but that whole retreat was such a beautiful um, doorway into me understanding my own conditioning and that exercise of sitting there and hearing all of these women kind of speak such similar stories and have such similar negative belief systems that were operating for them that were in essence making them miserable and and sad in their day-to-day lives was incredible because I think it you don't realize something until you can kind of objectively take a step back and see it not just playing out in your own self but playing out in all of the people around you and then being able to look at it and be like wow and I remember we did another exercise right at the beginning 
the comparison versus celebration where we were asked mm. to kind of move around the circle and go up to a woman that we saw something about that we really admired like I think you have beautiful eyes I think you have a beautiful body and go up to them um, and actually say that versus oh she has such a great body um, and my body isn't as beautiful and comparing yourself instead of doing that celebrating what you think is beautiful about her and I remember doing that and having women come up to me and compliment me or celebrate parts of myself, like the parts of myself I hated the most. They were suddenly coming to me and being like, I, as soon as you walked in, like I just celebrated your nose or your hair or whatever. And it was just incredible because it just reminds you that if only we could see ourselves through the eyes of another person just for one minute, I think our whole world would look so different. And our whole... Um, the way that we engage with people, the way that we engage with ourselves was so incredibly talented and gifted at being critical and at nitpicking all the bad stuff um, as opposed to really looking at the beauty that we hold and the wisdom that we hold and all of these things. And all of it, a lot of it does come down to, I guess, the subconscious belief systems that were created when we were little and how those are playing out in our lives right now. So it's not our fault. It's not like we're doing it on purpose. We're basically being driven by a program that is embedded in our subconscious mind that we have no control over. And we, a lot of the time, actually can't even um, fully connect to our understand because it happens on such a deep level that it's almost impossible to be aware of. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for recalling the celebration over comparison. I'd actually completely forgotten about that exercise. It's something that I try and practice myself in terms of celebrating over comparison, but I forgot that we had done that in real time of going up to one another and actually celebrating. And it was really encouraged for us to create that within our normal life you know if you see someone walk into a cafe and you love their outfit being like oh hey I really love what you're wearing today because doesn't it just make your day when someone says stuff like that to you like a (laughs) random stranger it really does and I think it's such a, a useful approach as well with the world that we live in now of continual marketing and ads and social media and stuff always up against the stuff which makes us feel less than or like we're lacking something. And I know that so many of the women that I work with really struggle with comparison, as we all do in this in this day and age. And I think it's such a useful approach to then be able to, instead of looking at an image and making it seem like there's something wrong with you and comparing yourself to be like, oh no, I do, I celebrate this. I celebrate that there is success in the world. I celebrate that there's abundance in the world. I celebrate that there's beauty in the world. And just because somebody else has this doesn't take away from what I have it's just that it's there and there's enough there's plenty to go around you know and I think it's such a beautiful practice when we can get ourselves into that state um especially as women because there's so much like sisterhood wounding you know so I think that it's such a beautiful thing to to be able to celebrate over compare so thank you for bringing that one up (laughs) yeah the connection that comes from it is incredible I've seen it with myself so much over the past three years stepping into women's work and running retreats um, <clears throat> especially in the process of co-facilitation of women's retreats a lot of stuff comes up and a lot of sister wounds came up when we were first um, running our retreats here in South Africa and now working with different sisters of mine and kind of facilitating retreats on a more global um, scale and it's been beautiful because you realize that we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people and we have been so deeply um, ingrained with this competition. Like we have to be better than everyone and we need to be the best and the most beautiful and the most intelligent and the most successful. And it's exhausting. It's Mm. so exhausting. I look at myself sometimes even, and I'm trying to do a million different things at once and accomplish like impossible tasks and to-do lists that feel never ending. And I always, whenever this happens, I I take a step back and I'm like, what is my why? Like, why am I doing this? Is this coming from a place of genuinely wanting to birth this project or get into this hobby or do whatever? Or am I doing this because it's what I've been told I need to do to be the best, the most beautiful, the most successful? 
in this field or in my friendship group or whatever and you realize how much of what we do is not coming from a soul desire to actually doing that it's coming from pressure from the outside of feeling that if we don't do that if we don't lose the weight or get the job or um spend time with a friend we're in essence not going to fit into society and we won't be seen as being valuable and that is it's it's really sad but it's also beautiful in a way because it it's all created by our mind which means that we can in essence also recreate that reality by embodying and implementing a different perspective on life which has been so beautiful in my own process in my own journey of being like you are enough just who you are in this moment in time what you bring to the world what your heart brings to the world is so much more valuable than any degree than any amount of money and that actually when you're when you're acting from a place of love and alignment abundance will come into your life in so many ways and that's not just money it can come in relationships it can come in health enjoy like abundance is so much bigger than having monetary success and i think having that realization has allowed me to let go of a lot of pressure i had on myself to be like oh i the only way i'm going to be abundant is if i'm making this much money like no i would rather have less money and live a life full of community and people i love and be able to be with family and friends and in nature and not be working an 18 hour day um or be super stressed like a lot of people in high power very high earning positions are that end up coming to coaches like you and myself being like I'm miserable I have all this money I have this big beautiful house but I feel empty I feel burnt out my physical health is taking a toll I've neglected my relationships so it's I think really and I I see this paradigm happening more and more in the world of seeing how I think the way that people are seeing life is shifting and there's almost this new paradigm that's coming into play and I think covid and everything that's unraveled over the, over the past few years is playing a big role in this people actually really questioning what do i need to be happy what is my true desire as opposed to where have i fallen into the rat race of um societal conditioning of doing all the things that we've been taught we need to do when actually that's not a source of joy at all it's a source of stress and burnout and um sadness so it's been amazing being able to witness this and just see it all unfolding in myself and the people around me and i think it brings a lot of hope um that we can keep evolving as a race i mean as a as a species and um to really evolve to a place where maybe we can all be living a life that feels really abundant and full and joyful mm. and i think a big part of what my work tries to do is to just give people the tools for that and to yeah. support them on that journey on creating that reality that feels abundant mm. um and making those tools accessible to everyone mm. i love i mean i love everything that you said just then but there are a couple of things that i wanted to pick out the mm. first was i listened to a podcast by my friend sarah who runs the um expand her podcast and she did a, an episode mm. on on manifestation and about the blocks in manifesting when people are like but i'm sitting there and i'm imagining myself doing all these things and it's just not coming to me and one of the things she said was that sometimes we can be manifesting from a place of ego as a, as opposed to manifesting from a place of soul which is kind of what you were saying there that we can think that we want all these things but it's coming from a place of thinking that we ought to have all these things or that we should have all these things or that it would look good if we had all these things as opposed to mm. no this thing is really aligned to the truth of who i am and the person that i am and the work that i'm here to do and the purpose that i'm here for etc and when we align with the second with the latter version of that things are magnetically drawn to us we just we attune ourselves let's say like it's the frequency and those things are attracted to us as opposed to when we're like pushing ourselves into a kind of like square peg round hole type thing trying to bring things yeah. to us so i love what you were saying there and also what you were saying in terms of in terms of joy and play you know i think that especially in especially in the western world i think that it's so easy to slip into that kind of like 
hustle and getting things and being busy and it's like we forget the the play and the joy and on one of my when I did my advanced yoga teacher training my incredible teacher deep who I've done now like 900 hours of yoga training with um when things got a bit serious as they tend to do because you know you're doing yoga day in day out for months and there's a lot of processing stuff that comes through and a lot of emotions that come out and sometimes when the room would get a little bit heavy, he'd be like, okay, right, stop. No more yoga. We're just going to put on some music and everyone's just going to dance. And that was just the lightness mm. that he brought to, to life was just so, I would, yeah, so catalytic for me just to create mm. more joy in my life because just for adults to be more silly as well, like just to create time mm. for silliness. You know, I think all of those things is so healing, just lightness and play. And, you know, you look at kids and they just they're constantly playing. You know, as adults, we perhaps don't have that available to us, but just being able to bring more joy and lightness and play and creativity. And I know that we like one of the things I want to talk to you about is creativity, but bringing those things back mm. into our life literally like shifts our vibration, doesn't it? Mm, it's incredible so I get like full body goosebumps as soon as you're speaking about playfulness I was thinking about basically a year ago it was on the first of January so a little um under a year ago I was sitting on the beach up the east coast of South Africa and I'd just gone up the east coast with two of my best friends um and they were I don't know what they were doing but I was sitting on the beach even though the beaches were technically shut because of COVID but I found a little nook and I was adamant I'm going to sit on the beach I'm going to meditate I'm going to set my intentions for this year. And I was sitting on the beach and I was journaling. And one of the biggest things that came through was just play, mm. like stop seeing things to be so serious and just drop into playfulness. So I kind of just anchored that into myself. And then I walked back up from the beach. And as I was walking up from the beach, my friend who was with me, he, he'd just woken up from a nap and he came down and he was like, let's go swimming. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's go swimming. And for the next hour it was just it was a beautiful moment in time I don't think I'll ever forget this moment the sun was setting over the ocean and we were just like running up and down this beach screaming laughing diving into the waves pretending to be like dolphins and whales and seals we were actually we were going so wild and crazy that he got a nosebleed because we were just like <laughs> really going for it and it was it was the first time in so long that I'd felt this pure joy mm. of just like for an hour, I wasn't thinking about like work or anything. It was just that deep moment of connection and of being. And I think that's what's really drawn me back into my creative process this year of um, working in kind of the art realm once again, which is something I put to the side for a very long time after school I, I kind of always had this dream of going to art school but instead of going to art school I went the psychology route because everyone told me the starving artist narrative of you can't earn money making art and you need to do something serious and art can be your hobby so that's what I did and I look back at it now and I would do it all over again but there's a little part of me that feels like oh if only I would have listened to my intuition and that knowing of like this is what I, my soul wants to do so I've kind of seen it now as a chance to really start a step back into play. And I got back home the other week to South Africa and I had my little studio at home where I was making my ceramics. And I was like, okay, I understand this process. How can I do something completely different that's going to force me to just do and create without thinking? So I started painting and for hours I was just sitting like naked in my studio, throwing paint at a canvas, like painting all of these random things. And it's crazy how as soon as you open that door, you just suddenly start to almost like snowball and all of these ideas come and then you're like bringing together things. And it just reminded me how creativity is such a, it's such a beautiful vessel for being and mm -hmm. for connecting to something that's much greater than what we are. And I'm really starting to understand it as being almost a spiritual practice um, which I never really understood when I was um, younger and in high school and making art, but it's been this beautiful reintegration and, and meeting of this whole other world that I didn't really know existed and that I'd been running away from out of fear, actually. There was something 
so vulnerable around art where like creating is so scary because it's at the end of the day everyone's perception of it is going to be subjective and we can't do something that is going to be perceived by everyone to be right or, or beautiful or accepted and I realized I was more comfortable speaking about my trauma like the deepest darkest depths of like what I've been through as a person when what has brought me onto this path on Instagram on like posts um, with people and then when it came to me sharing my art I suddenly turned into this very shy person where I was like oh no I, I could never do that I could never show someone one of my paintings wow. I was like how crazy is that that I was so afraid because it was a part of me that someone could decide they didn't like and then I started looking at oh wow and how many ways is this a reflection of how I show up in the world where I'm always trying to be this person that is likable that people want to be around um and then realizing that actually like our creative process and art is such an incredible reflection of the human experience like when we are truly being ourselves and creating the art that we really want to create or embodying the person that we really are on a soul level, there's going to be people that don't like us. Mm. There is going to be people that do not resonate with us, but there's also going to be people that are even more drawn to the realness of who we are. And you know, then when someone comes into your life and into your field and they connect and they resonate with you and you're embodying that truth, that's someone that will probably stay for a very, very long time because they are there for you. They are not there for the idea that you've created you to be. Um, and that's been such an incredible process to go through, to realize it's, it's all just really a reflection mm. and it's been beautiful. And I think that kind of feeds beautifully into the manifestation piece of you're not going to attract much abundance into your life when you're not aligned with your truth. So, Mm. when you are manifesting from a place of ego because that's not what you want that is what you think you want and what you've been told to to want and I really started looking at that in my all my manifestations of a partner of a career of all of this of like what do I truly want versus what has society taught me to desire and that is like, oh my, I'm pretty sure we could probably record about 1,500 <laughs> podcasts on that. Completely. But it's been beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I love what you were saying, the way that you were talking about creativity, about it not being this thing where just some people are creative, some people are arty, some people are musical. And that's the conception that we have, you know, so there are so many people out there who don't do probably myself included. Like I don't, I don't mm. spend enough time being creative, I suppose in a, well, I think it's, you can live a creative life, but I think actually then dedicating time to do a creative practice, they're kind of slightly different things, mm. but um, there are so many people out there who perhaps would want to play music or create art or whatever, but don't because they're worried about the, reaction of people of it not being good enough you know and it's like that's the attitude that we bring to our create to our creative practice or even our spiritual practice like yoga or meditation or whatever tool it is mm -hmm. so many people shy away from these things because they're like oh I'm not good at that or you know when we can actually step beyond that and this is something that I've spoken about with clients before who really like you know I just want to write but I don't want to have to you know, share it. It's like, well, why don't you just do it for you? You're, why don't you just do something like that, but not worry about the reception, not worry about whether it has to be good or not, but just do it because it flows out of you. You know, like mm -hmm. Julia Cameron in the artist way and so many books about creativity have always saying like, everyone is artistic. Everyone is creative. It's kind of like, yeah. it's our birthright. But as soon as we start judging it, then that's when it kind of saps the joy out of it, you know, type thing. And I've got a friend who's a musician. And I had a, I've had a conversation with him about this. And he was like, everyone is musical. Obviously, you have people who are tone deaf, who literally can't distinguish between notes and yeah. stuff. And obviously, that's a bit of a challenge in the area of music. However, everybody is musical and everyone is every everyone can move for example and everyone can dance it's just that we judge ourselves to be bad at such things so I love mm. what you were saying about that of creativity as a spiritual practice as like a place of devotion for yourself a time for you mm. to get in flow with 
whatever's coming through you to get in flow with whatever energy is out there for you you know I love what you were saying there yeah Mm. I think it's also beautiful because when you look at it in that way it's like when you meditate you're not meditating for anyone else you don't run out to the world after you meditate and you're like hey world this is what came through in my meditation this morning because it's your it's for you it's not for anyone else and it's I've I've really started seeing creation in the same way of like do it for you and do it in a way where you're also not comparing yourself to other people I always remind myself whenever I fall into that trap of like oh no that's this vase I've made is not beautiful enough because someone has made it better or I've just started oil painting and I'm looking at other artists who are oil painters and I'm like oh my gosh I feel like a three-year-old child painting with like my fingers when I compare my work to this person but what we forget is that that person has been probably doing it for a much longer time than you in the same way that we get in yoga class maybe we've never done yoga before and we're watching the yoga teacher and we're like oh no I'm never coming back here I'm clearly just not talented at yoga look at her she's got her leg behind her head I can never do that and it's like you're not you're not reminding yourself of the fact that that person also started somewhere. That yoga teacher has maybe done 900 hours of yoga teacher trainings. Um, that person who just sat in meditation for an hour without moving a muscle has maybe been meditating for 20 years. And that person who just painted this incredible lifelike artwork of their dog is maybe been doing that for 30 years and has been practicing. And there's so much freedom that comes in that and being like, we are all just on our own journey wherever you're at right now is beautiful and you don't have to be constantly looking at everyone else and I it's hard especially I think for our generation with social media being so embedded in our day-to-day life and I've actually started now I delete the Instagram app off my phone Mm -hmm. when I'm not using it I will literally go on I've got obviously because I use it for my business I know Mondays Wednesdays Fridays I do my thing I go on there I reply to DMs And then I delete the app and I'm like, I'm giving myself two days where I do not need to be comparing myself to other people. And when I do go on, I've filled that space with people who bring me joy and who inspire me. If there is someone there that is robbing my energy, that is allowing me to slip into that comparison, I remove them. It's not that I don't love that person. I've removed some of my closest, dearest fellow coaches and space holders from my Instagram, not because I don't value their work or think they're incredible, but because they trigger me a lot because I'm seeing, oh, she's launched another course. She's running another retreat. Her course is sold out. She's just signed on 500 new clients. <laughs> oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why am I not doing these things? And just realizing that we're all on our own timeline and we are all doing our very best and that you need to create a space for yourself where you feel okay to play and to be and to not fall into the trap of constantly comparing yourself to everything and everyone around you um I actually just thought of something I went and did Byron Katie I don't know if you know her work she's incredible um I went to do do the school for the work it was actually the first like spirituality seminar I ever went to I went with my mom when I was 19 I was incredible and one of the most beautiful things she said in the seminar make peace with mediocrity and Obviously, that can be perceived as being like, be okay with never doing your best, but it was be okay with not being the most beautiful person in the room, be okay with not being the most intelligent person in the room, because there will always be someone out in this world of 7 billion people who does something a tiny little bit better than you. Even the most intelligent researchers at Harvard University are probably looking at someone else and being like, oh my gosh, they just publish this paper and I'm not good enough so once we make peace with the fact that we are perfectly and perfectly ourselves that is incredible because that is where freedom lies because you're not chasing after something you're not trying to be something you're just being you Mm. and knowing that the people and the opportunities that come into your life when you're being you are going to be perfectly aligned and they will match your frequency and they will um, really they'll feel like home in a way I always feel that when things come through that feel really really aligned it feels like a homecoming mm. and that's incredible and I think that's a beautiful way to live mm. to just constantly be connecting to that truth in yourself as opposed to 
the world and what it's teaching you, it's trying to teach you to do. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that's so beautiful because there's, if you look at things like, if you look at any leadership coaching or motivational speakers, it's always like, there's no space for mediocrity. Don't accept mediocrity in yourself, et cetera, which means that we're always, and there's a kind of time and a place for that way of thinking too, because it means that we're always pushing ourselves and always looking to grow, et cetera. But I think that it's that balance there of perhaps recognizing that you are enough and then going after what mm. you want, which reminds me of something that Brene Brown said in a podcast that I was listening to once, which really, really resonated with me of kind of talking about, well, how do we, how does that work in real time? Because if we're always just accepting ourselves for the way that we are all the time and we're always enough, then how do we ever want anything else, etc.? But what she was saying is that wanting something else or desiring something else or looking to grow comes from a place of deep acceptance for exactly as you are right now, knowing that that's enough, but knowing also that it's okay to ask for more mm. or to want to go in a different direction or to make yourself better. And she was talking about it, I think, in the context of body image and weight loss and fitness mm. and stuff, because so many people approach um, approach fitness from a place of I don't look okay now or I'm not okay now this is where I need to be so therefore body image is always coming from a place of lack as opposed to I love my body and I'm just desiring more for myself I want to feel more healthy I want to feel even better in my body just accepting ourselves exactly exactly as we are and that is the hardest thing to do I think but once we can get that it just allows exactly what you're saying that liberation within ourselves that it's okay to ask for more but it comes from this really grounded deep place of self-knowing and self-love yeah no it's beautiful and I look at it even in the realms of like our work or our intellect or our creativity it's like I am enough right now but I think as human beings we have an innate desire to grow and evolve Um, as human beings we want to be moving forward and changing and expanding I think that's part of our our true nature and it is it's so true when you look at okay I am doing this degree not because I have to because I feel like if I don't do it I'm not worthy of um, teaching or working with people no I'm doing it because I want to expand I want to be better I want to be of deeper service to the people around me um, and the same, yeah, it goes to your physical health. For a long time, I was doing things from a place of wanting to fit uh, a, a mold or an image. Whereas now it's like, no, I, I want to go to the gym, not because it's about a physical appearance. I want my body to feel strong. Mm. I want to run a 10K, not because I think I'm going to burn however many calories in that 10K. No, I want to do it because it means I get to run in the mountains and be with my friends and connect to the land and just realizing. And I think it comes back to this. What is your why? Why are you doing it? What is, where is that coming from? Is it coming from a place of fear of not being enough, of not being worthy of being rejected by other people? Or is it coming from a place of love, of love for yourself, for your body, for your work? Um, And I think if we can, start to cultivate more of a, a nuanced awareness of what your why is and then act from a place of love as opposed to a place of fear oh my gosh mm. everything changes then everything changes 100 I went on a silent mm. meditation retreat when I was 25 and I remember turning up and they said okay so the rules are obviously no talking no journaling no reading no exercise and I was like sorry no ex- no exercise and like I went up to one of the to one of the assistants and was like okay so you don't get it I have to run or work out like every day um so I just I think that this rule just shouldn't apply to me type thing and she was like okay well just don't work out or exercise for the first three days just sit and just see how you feel if on the third or fourth day you are you really need to run then fine go for a run but just sit with it all for the first few days And I realized within that space of time that the reason that I was wanting to run or work out was because it was coming from a place of you will put on weight if you don't run. 
And actually that just created such a big switch in my head of my approach to body image, my approach to exercise. Mm -hmm. And also with, uh, with my meditation practice, I was really struggling because I hadn't done that much meditation. And of course me being a very all or nothing person, taking myself straight to a silent Mm -hmm. meditation retreat, I was struggling and my brain was all over the place. And I spoke to the, um, to my meditation teacher was leading the, leading the retreat being like, I just can't focus. My brain's all over the place. And he said, okay, we'll try it this way. And in the next meditation sitting, I did exactly that. And then I went up to him at the end and was like, oh, that was so much better. My brain was really, really calm in that one. And he was like, "Mm -hmm." and just gave me like nothing back. And I realized in that moment too, that what I wanted was the reassurance, was the validation. I wanted someone to literally pat me on the head and be like, oh, well done. You're such a good meditation student type thing. So I think it just feeds into what you're saying of like doing things, just knowing that whatever we do is enough and not needing that validation from anybody else and doing it from a place of deep acceptance and deep self-love. I would love to move on and talk to you about subconscious belief systems, because I know that this is an area that you have really, really lent into in your work and in your own healing. And obviously you uh, practice as a hypnotherapist and it's an area too that I am passionate about in that I've, I've begun to bring subconscious belief systems a lot more progressively into my coaching and also now as an EFT practitioner. And I know that there is a lot of crossover between hypnotherapy and EFT. And I have certainly discovered that in coaching or in any type of kind of healing modality, I think that we, we approach the conscious mind a lot, you know, 99% of the time, right? But so much of our patterns, so much of our behaviors are actually underpinned by our subconscious beliefs. So if we are not looking at the subconscious at the same time as we're looking at the conscious, we're going to be potentially tripping up over the same old shit and attracting the same old stuff and creating the Mm. same patterns in our life. So can you talk a little bit about the way that subconscious work came to you and how that Mm. has work for you now what it's opened up for you in terms of your relationships and your work I'd love to go in this direction now Mm. so I first started kind of connecting to this work through um, a woman called Lacey Phillips she has an online community called to be magnetic and um, that was the first time in my adult life that I had connected to hypnosis I'd actually done it as a very very young child um to I used to suck my thumb and I remember through hypnosis when I was about five or six years old I managed to stop sucking my thumb so I'd always kind of had an openness and I was very lucky to have a mum who is very into kind of um alternative ways of healing and also does a lot of spiritual work and self-development work and I started doing Lacey Phillips's workshops and I was so blown away by how much stuff was coming up for me Um, especially around my love and my relationships, having a lot of, holding a lot of trauma around my relationships with men, especially um, stemming from a really, really young age, having experienced abuse as as a child. I carried a lot of shame, a lot of trauma around my sexuality and around love. And as a result of this, I had this, tendency to attract relationships that very much mirrored the dynamic that I'd had um, with that person in my life who was a very close person not a family member but someone who I spent a lot of time with in the early years of my life and they were actually mirroring this relationship that I had with this person I was attracting men that embodied a lot of the same energetics as him that had a lot of the same characteristics as him I'd created a belief system around love that men only wanted me for my body because that is the dynamic that played out in this relationship um, where I would receive love and attention and affection um, because he wanted something from me. And then as soon as he got that, he would just leave me there and he, I wouldn't get any sort of attention. And I started actually manifesting this kind of um dynamic in my later years of I got into my first relationship when I was 16 and from there on for about seven years I was in back-to-back relationships where this dynamic was playing up in different ways so it wasn't necessarily only to do with like sexuality and then wanting my physical body 
but it was this dynamic of they wanted me to do something for them or to be a certain way. And as soon as they got that, they would withdraw their love and they would um, go and do their own thing. And for a long time, I was in the victim role and I was blaming them for being bad people. Um, and then when I was living in Bali about a year and a half ago, I suddenly was just, hypnotherapy just came into my field. Suddenly I was meeting people like three days in a row who had just gone to hypno or were going to hypno session. It was coming up on like my phone on Instagram, like random people were speaking about it. So I booked a session and it was life-changing. Um, in the space of three or four sessions, I had like unraveled so many deeply embedded beliefs around love and the way that I relate and of not being enough and of feeling like I always had to do something to get people's love like just being me wasn't enough of being loved and it's completely shifted the way that I interact with people and it's completely shifted the capacity I have to communicate my needs and desires it's shifted my self-worth of really knowing that I am worthy of receiving the love that I know that, that that I that I wish for and that I yearn for and it's been incredible to see how much that has affected the way that I relate with people the way that I'm dating now the way that I'm communicating um, a couple of years ago I would have done a lot of things that I would no longer do if someone doesn't put energy into me now I don't engage with it um, and I let things go and I've stepped out of that energy of chasing after things because if I don't chase, they'll never come to me and realizing they will come to me. If I am just sitting in my truth and doing my thing and, and I'm aligned with myself, whatever is meant to come to me will come to me. And a lot of that knowing has been instilled in me through the hypnotherapy. I then very shortly after getting into this work, um, did a training two trainings actually I did one with a, an institute in America which was very clinical and um, academic and then I did one with a, 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 a healing center in Bali and it completely changed the way that I work with people and similar to you have integrated it into my coaching and the shifts that I see in my clients the realizations where they're like oh my gosh I cannot believe that this single event that happened when I was three years old or four years old or six years old has actually created this program that is just playing on repeat and that is just showing up in every part of my life mm. and just seeing what happens after one session, after two sessions, usually after three sessions, people are like, I can't even believe that that used to be my reality kind of thing. Mm. And a lot of people, I think, have a lot of fear around hypnotherapy because they don't know what to expect. And we've been, I guess, by mainstream media and by TV shows and that kind of thing. We see hypnotherapy as this, like, someone goes on a stage and the hypnotherapist is like, bark like a dog. And then the person's <laughs> like, whoop, whoop. And we think that that's what happens in hypnotherapy. And I think actually the biggest um, task that I usually have when someone comes is to explain to them actually what hypnotherapy is and the way that it works and that it's actually no different from doing a guided meditation um, and that at no point they're going to be unconscious or unable to control themselves and that it's actually this beautiful way of using a current belief or an emotion that you're feeling like hey I at the moment like the biggest thing in my life is I don't feel I am enough and then diving into that belief and finding the first time in your life where that belief was created. So for most people that will be jumping back to three years old, four years old, 10 years old, it'll be a memory from childhood because we create all of these subconscious belief systems from the day we're born to roughly around the age of 12 is kind of the, the, the part in our life where we create these imprints. Um, and we'll go back into that memory and we will reprogram it so that that version of that person can process the emotions and can relive that event in a way that the, they are experiencing an outcome that is empowering and that is connected to their truth. And a lot of the time, the reason we are triggered, um, for example, I was working with a client the other day. She, get, she got really, really triggered when her boyfriend leaves the house 
and he doesn't say goodbye to her. She was like, I don't understand why I get so triggered by this. That makes me so upset. And we went back and we realized, oh, there was an event that happened in her childhood where someone left her without saying goodbye and she was devastated. But that five-year-old didn't have the chance or the space or the safety to process those emotions and instead trap those emotions. And those trapped emotions were what were being triggered every time now. So every time the boyfriend left, she was feeling those same emotions as five-year-old was. So we do a lot of, of the part of the hypnotherapy process, the way that I work is going back to that event and creating a safe space for you to process those emotions, to let go of that. And most people who work with trauma um, are very much, I think the general consensus in research now is that trauma is um, a storing of emotions in the body. It's trapped energy that hasn't been moved because of a lack of safety. And that's what we're doing really here. We're, we're processing emotions. We're reprogramming um, on a subconscious level events and that is then carried forward into your future reality so that something like i am not enough suddenly doesn't feel like it has that power or that control over you anymore because you know you are enough mm. and you've let go of that belief and it's incredible it's really incredible work yeah understanding trauma working with trauma it is so powerful isn't it because you just realize that these events or these traumatic memories or these programs that have been created out of these traumatic memories they're just like open loops in the brain right it's like the brain hasn't moved on yeah. from that event it still thinks in some kind of small fraction of your brain that that is that that still that event is still happening because it never received resolution Trauma is when we yeah. felt powerless within a situation and there was no mm. opportunity to close the door on that. So it just keeps playing out and out and out until finally we're able to go back into it and have a look around and have a look around and close the door on it and heal it and create a new possibility. Mm. So it's such powerful work. And I just had no, before I went into that, before I, before I went down that path with EFT and understanding trauma, I just never really considered that so much of what is tripping up, tripping us up in the here and now as adults has been going on for, for decades. You know, so many of our, of our patterns, our beliefs were created before the age of six, you know, like it created a blueprint for the rest of our lives. And it just made me kind of look at everybody with like a fresh pair of eyes and be like, wow, we're just like, traumatized mm. kids wandering around in adult bodies yeah. and trying to work through our stuff and what mm. you were saying there about triggers it's like all of these triggers instead of instead of that being something that then has to run the show it can be such a gift to show us what needs to be healed it's like a exactly. signpost of where we need to go in order to create new possibility in our life can you give an example of you know you've talked about the way that you have used your subconscious in your relationships and, you know, what it's created in terms of, um, you know, you were saying to me that what it's created in terms of friends and family and intimate relationships and the way that you communicate as well and the boundaries that you set. So can you just speak a little bit to that? Mm, so I can speak to that for sure. It's, I'm, I'm like, my brain actually just suddenly got like overwhelmed with all of these like different things um for a very long time I because of the traumatic experience as a child I'm just gonna go on a tangent here quickly because a lot of people when they think of trauma they think of it has to be something that is like a profound almost like near-death experience or life-threatening event that's happening um which is referred to as big t trauma but then we have little t trauma which is um something as simple as being dropped off at school as a three-year-old and not wanting mom to leave and mom leaves. That is traumatic for a child because what we don't realize as adults is that the way that the child's brain perceives that is so vastly different. For us, we're like, we're leaving you at school. We'll be back in three hours. But for the child, it's like, my caregiver is leaving. I've asked them to stay. They're not staying. Oh my God. And it's panic. And you, that child will store that memory. And that could in future years result in abandonment traumas and I know a big part of my abandonment wound comes from the fact that I had incredible parents the most kind loving and supportive parents in the world but they worked really 
really hard when I was a child. They started their business literally a month before I was born. My mom gave birth to me and she was literally the next day handed me over to her secretary and she was working. And she is a powerhouse woman. She's incredible. But she, she, they left a lot. They had meetings when we lived in South Africa. They were traveling to Germany. And I remember standing there as like a five-year-old with my little brother looking out the window crying because we didn't want my parents to leave. And it's, I think I always remind my clients of this. You do not have to have had a really hard childhood to be carrying trauma. You could have had the most incredible upbringing with the most loving, caring, present parents, but you may still be holding trauma. And that maybe may not even be trauma from that relationship. It can be trauma from being bullied at school, from not being included. It can be maybe a relationship with a sibling or a teacher or so many things. And I just wanted to tangent on that because it's really important yeah. for anyone who's listening who maybe feels like, oh, I do have these patterns that come up, but I had such a great childhood and I had such loving parents. And I think it's easy for us to almost feel shame around the fact that how dare we hold trauma because we've had such an easy life and it hasn't been hard. And like, look at people who have lost parents or have had abusive caretakers or haven't had the same upbringing that we have and they're doing fine they're doing great mm -hmm. how dare we feel like we've got but it's again a reminder of don't compare yourself totally and mm. I that that really speaks to me because I remember speaking in Bali to mutual friend of ours um Gabby Francis um who we both love very very much who works a lot with trauma and she and I remember saying to her like well, nothing bad is like, nothing bad's ever really happened to me. But like, there was this one time, like when this happened and this happened and this happened and like, they weren't major events, but like, it was just like consistent stuff as, as happens in life. And like, she was kind of sat there with like her jaw open being like, babe, this, this is, this is, this is big stuff in terms of like little T trauma. It's just a build up yeah. of stuff over a long period of time. And she was like, it's okay for you to carry shit and carry beliefs around this because to a child to a you know young adult those are big things so I love what you're saying there of like giving ourselves permission to actually be carrying stuff even though in inverted commas bad things might not have happened type thing exactly exactly and it was a beautiful beautiful reminder to myself and I always remind my clients of that too that again don't compare yourself it's your own thing if you um have unresolved trauma because of something that someone else may see as insignificant doesn't matter it's not their place to pass judgment and that's something that was a really big part of my journey and kind of seeing that in seeing how for example like my that abandonment wound that was acting up from a child from my childhood with my parents resulted in me being becoming overly self-reliant and almost having this like wall and barrier around my relationship with my parents. We always got along really well. They were incredible people in my life have been nothing short of supportive, but from, for the majority of my teens, I always felt this resistance to spending time with them. I didn't really want to be with them. I would much rather have been with my friends. And I think that's normal, but I always knew there was this underlying thing there that I didn't understand and it was through the hypnotherapy that suddenly I realized oh my god like I feel resistance to hanging out with my parents not because I don't like them but because I'm terrified that if I let them in again and I let them be such a big part of my life and I really surrender into being with them and loving them they're just going to leave me again and the same was happening in my friendships and um was really showing up in this space of I don't feel safe to let people in because what if they leave me mm. um so this hyper independence this incredible self-reliance that I'm still working on now I was literally just away with my best friends for my birthday and um, I was saying it's so crazy I still feel like I have this like hyper independence and one of my best friends she said to me she's like you know I watch you sometimes and you are really self-reliant and you're really good at keeping yourself in your own space and I have to be extremely mindful even now even after all the work that I've done basically having dedicated the past six years of my life to this healing path of being like oh I still do that sometimes and that's okay it's beautiful I'm never going to be perfect and when I notice myself acting from that place of fear in essence I'm like how can I lean into love what can I do 
And maybe that looks like climbing on the couch with my best friend and just like having a big hug or when I'm feeling resistance to being with family, being like, hey, I'm actually feeling resistance to it because I'm scared and I'm I'm actually scared of being hurt and surrendering into that. So it's really changed the way that I relate with people on such a deep level. I am so much more able to speak my truth, to know what I need, and to also set boundaries. For a long time, I never set a single boundary because I thought as soon as I set a boundary, people are going to just be leaving me left, right, and center. They won't want to be my friend if I'm not giving and giving and giving and giving. But actually what started happening now that I feel and I've healed that wound, I'm able to set boundaries in such a beautiful way and such a clear, open, honest way where I'm just like, hey, I can't actually um, show up to this birthday or this dinner. I'm feeling super drained. And it's been beautiful because the more that I set my own boundaries and I stay in alignment with myself, the more authenticity there is in my relationships and the more other people actually have started feeling really comfortable being themselves with me and being like oh I actually really don't feel like coming over for dinner tonight I'm tired I just want to stay home and it's been beautiful because in the past that would have probably resulted in a dynamic and an argument and dispute and people feeling hurt and making it about themselves whereas now it's just like hey we're just out here we're living our lives we're being our most authentic selves and we're supporting each other and we're celebrating each other. We're celebrating other people's no's. I think that is one of the biggest things I've really started implementing. When someone says no to me, I'm like, yes, that is incredible. Like, I'm so happy for you. I'm celebrating your no. And I'm honoring the fact that you are taking care of yourself first. And beyond that, really speaking more to like my relationships with men, um, and this is in a romantic way and a, and a platonic way. I really spent a lot of time healing my wounding with men through hypnotherapy. The kinds of men that have started walking into my life since moving to Bali and really um, stepping into that. And when I moved back to South Africa, the quality of my male friendships, incredible. Like some of my best friends now are men. I literally sat last night with one of my dearest friends. We sat on the couch for six hours and we just spoke about everything like love and relationships and dating and feelings and our traumas and it was incredible because up until a year and a half ago I didn't think I could have those relationships with men I thought men only wanted to be friends with me if there was something they were getting out of that and it it's been beautiful it's really shifted and I really started um, gaining clarity on what I really yearn for in a partnership versus what I was kind of wanting to manifest again coming from a place of ego and of what we think we need um so yeah it's been really beautiful I'd love to hear what has shifted for you with the EFT oh, and diving into so that so much so much honestly I find with every EFT session it's like I just connect so many dots because everything touches everything in our mind, right? And I will start off a session with a belief, but then because, you, because with EFT, you are somatically working with your body. So you're feeling the energy of your body. So feeling like, how does, how does this belief or how does this emotion manifest in my body? Where do I feel it? Oh, it's in my stomach. It feels gritty or it feels heavy. And like, oh no, it's traveling up to my throat now. And that feels like a blockage or feels like a heat in my shoulders, whatever it is. And you start to create these patterns between the emotions and when it comes up and like, oh, I recognize that actually this reminds me of feeling like this, or this reminds me of this event and stuff. And you, the dots that you create between your beliefs and between your patterns, it's phenomenal. So I find like in any session, it feels like I'm going all around the houses with the beliefs and the thoughts and triggers and stuff that come up. But the lines that we, that we join are just phenomenal and the things that it clears and the stories that it brings up and I realized that I was carrying the story that I was incapable and even though I have all these trainings and I'm like hugely qualified in lots of different areas I was still carrying the story that I was incapable in some kind of way and I went back into a memory of doing like my maths homework as a child and I realized that I was carrying a lot of baggage about like being bad at accounts and taxes and money and numbers and stuff from very like small events and 
Mm. Also a lot that's opened up within my relationships in terms of, I realized how I was bringing this performative energy to my relationships and to dating and, you know, track that back to my early relationships in childhood and things and how I would often go after guys that couldn't give me what I want because then I got to prove somehow that I was worthy of their love and affection. And once I started to dismantle this, it was really interesting hearing you talk about all these like beautiful male friendships that you've brought into your life because the same I've witnessed as I've untangled myself from those patterns, Mm. the same has been happening for me. And I've been having these like amazing conversations and amazing connections and amazing friendships. But that's because I think I've shifted so much in the type of love and friendships and intimacy that I'm worthy of, as opposed to always going Mm. after people in my life who I get to somehow prove myself and therefore get them Mm. to validate me. And if they don't give me what I want or whatever, then I get to chase after them and then kind of show like another aspect of myself, like, hey, look how shiny I am. You know, how about this type thing and try this on. And it was just exhausting, like exhausting in my dating and exhausting in my relationships. And it's really interesting how just going back to those early memories and early beliefs, what it opens up to you, what it opens up for you. And I feel like doing this work has created so many more possibilities in terms of my relationships, my, my, my work, just the way that I feel within myself. And I think a beautiful thing about EFT as well is that, and it's probably similar with hypnotherapy, because you feel the emotion in your body, the next time that comes up for you in your day-to-day, it's suddenly like your body remembers and it's like, oh, here's the feeling. I know that this is bringing up this belief or whatever. And then by doing, by, Mm -hmm. by experiencing that, it means that you can make a new conscious choice in that moment. So, it's just like a, yeah, it's like a new opportunity for self-care because it's like, oh, this is coming up for me. I, I've got you. I've got you in this moment. We're okay. We're safe. We can make a new empowered choice. And it just creates so much more possibility. So, yeah. It's really fascinating. I, I definitely, one, one that's like so tangible for me in that moment, what you were speaking about is I created this um, I had this really bad habit with sugar where I would be completely fine the whole day. The evening would come around and suddenly I would be like, it only happened when I moved to London. I never had this before. I moved to London and from that moment, I had this weird thing about sugar where I actually could not go without sugar in the evening. So I did a hypnotherapy session on it about a year and a half or longer, even three or four years after this thing started happening. I was like, I just don't understand. And it's so overwhelming and I have no control in the hypno, we went back and we went back to me being a three-year-old sitting at the breakfast table with my parents it was the only time of day that I would get to spend time with my parents. And it wasn't that I created a negative association. I'd actually created a positive association between my dad making me Nutella sandwiches for breakfast, mm-hmm. being with my mom and dad, being so happy, feeling really safe and secure and sugar. So I'd created this belief all of a sudden I moved to London, I'm lonely, I'm by myself, the evenings was like the hardest time for me, because that was when I felt the most lonely. And all of a sudden, the sugar craving came in. And it was beautiful, because through the hypnotherapy, I was able to understand that, and then reprogram that. And now every time that comes up, I'm like, okay, what I actually need is nurturance and self holding. Mm. So I'll go make myself a cup of tea, I'll do a meditation, I'll wrap myself in a blanket, watch a movie. And you just have way much more self-awareness and I think that is what all of this work has really brought to me being like how is this a mirror or a signpost that there's something that needs to be um, addressed and looking at also the kinds of people that we are attracting into our life the kinds of people we're attracted to I also as as you said emotionally unavailable men were um, my forte (laughs) and for the past two years I've really looked at why do I keep falling for emotionally unavailable men? And of course, naturally, mm-hmm. as we do having done this work, we're like, what mirror is there here? What is mm-hmm. this showing me? And I just realized I am the most emotionally unavailable of them all because I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. And because of, again, belief systems I've created around um, the fear of 
meeting someone and having to settle in one place and not being able to keep moving around and live my dreams and fulfill my purpose and this kind of separation I've created between having love in my life and being able to be successful and and live my purpose and now slowly doing the work to realize I can merge both and you can have both and it's possible and that in itself is beautiful because again you step out of being the victim of being like oh I just keep attracting emotionally and as soon as I had that realization suddenly things started shifting I started dating someone that was really great and you're suddenly given opportunities to kind of put what you've just learned and integrated into practice Mm. Um, and you can kind of just see it all as this beautiful fun kind of experiment and just maintain that playfulness that we spoke about in the beginning yeah and just keep keep exploring always stay curious yeah absolutely I think bringing curiosity to all of this rather than judgment because I think it's so easy for us to Mm. see our shadows or our darkness or insecurities or anxieties and be like that's bad as opposed to this is really interesting that this is playing out in my life what is it here to show me Mm. I think bringing curiosity and then just that endless amounts of lightness and play and joy as well alongside it has been so amazing to talk to you. Oh my goodness, you're so inspiring and wonderful. So thank you for sharing all of your magic and goodness with me and for um, for all of us. So thank you so much, my love. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm so grateful to have been in this space with you. And I'm so proud of you for starting this beautiful podcast and sharing all of this wisdom with the world. I'm so happy we met. And yeah, thank you so much for having me, Meg. It's been beautiful. I hope that you all enjoyed that beautiful conversation with Tatiana as much as I did. If you have any takeaways or comments, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me via my website at higher-love.com or via my Instagram at higherlove underscore with Megan. And do click follow to be notified with every new episode that I upload here on Spotify if you don't already. If you'd like to connect further with Tatiana to hear more about her online workshops and courses, her one-to-one coaching and retreats, you'll find her information in the show notes for this episode. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Big love. Mm